I really missed the mark on this one by not practicing my Richard Dawson impersonation, or Ray Holmes, or Louis Anderson, or Richard Karn, or John O'Hurley, or Steve Harvey. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to episode 46. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Jasper Ortage about the Great Wargaming Survey. And coming back to the show for the second consecutive year is Jasper Ortage. Jasper, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased to have you on. Uh, if you did not listen to my previous episode with Jasper, go back and have a listen. And yeah, the link will be in the show notes because we're talking about the same thing. We're, we're talking about the Great Wargaming Survey 2018. Mm-hmm. And but we're also going to talk about the 2017 results. So very excited to get into the guts, so to speak, of the results from 2017. Then we're also going to talk about the different the uh, the new survey because there are some different questions or additional questions, I should say, and kind of see how how things have been going. Now, Jasper, uh, I recently spoke with our mutual friend and dean of the hobby, Henry Hyde, on his podcast. <laughs> dean of the hobby. Well, that was a new <laughs> one. I'll remember that one the next time I see him. Yeah. It, it, see, that's, it's my one-man campaign to get get him the appropriate appellation he deserves. Uh, well, but, I'll, a guy's on his way to the other partisan tomorrow, so I'll... Uh... And and Henry, I think, is coming too. So I'll tell a guy to greet Henry with, hey, Dean. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Um, now, Henry said that you are working on a doctorate in in history, correct? Uh, <laughs> Henry remembers things you shouldn't. Um, well, it's a, it's a long story. Yes. I, um, well, um, I have a, an MA in ancient history. Uh-huh. Um, but, and I was working on a, on a PhD indeed in at my main university about the Roman Imperial Navy. And then, uh, ancient warfare magazine came around and I tried to maintain, you know, keep working on the, on the, on the thesis at the same time, but it, it got harder and harder. So it's, um, uh, you know, one day I hope to do something with it, but I, I sort of, uh, console myself with, um, the fact that I, I actually, we publish a lot of, of other, you know, PhD students publish their results and their research, uh, in ancient warfare magazine. So I figure I, I do something, other than you know, publish one book that's you know, frankly, going to be read by a very small number of people, and um, and, and publish a magazine that's read by thousands of people, and that gets a, a lot of new research out there as well. So, okay, uh, I think. Well, I uh, apologize for opening an old wound. <laughs> that's okay. It's it get gets done periodically, and I I've recovered every time. Okay, good, good. Um, yeah, I was uh, thinking back to my time in, in college and I had a history professor who was specialty was medieval naval warfare in the Mediterranean. Uh, and did you, uh, you didn't study at OSU, did you? 
Did you study with Gil Mar- Did you study with Gil Martin? No, uh, John Dotson at Southern oh, okay. Illinois University. Okay, in Carbondale, uh, he focused primarily on uh, on Venice hmm. and their in their naval uh, exploits, uh, which is interesting because we had another uh, professor on staff, Doctor uh, Holly Hurlbert who also studied medieval Venice, but from the uh, social aspect. So, okay. Any, anyhow, lest we get too far down the, the road of academia, uh, I guess for those who are uninitiated, we should probably talk about what is the Great Wargaming Survey, when did it start, and where did it come from? Uh, well, in random order, it started in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the fifth year we're, we're doing it uh, mm-hmm. and I I don't really remember why we started I think we started because there were uh, one of the other magazines had done sort of a survey of the industry every year I, I think uh, but they did it uh, you know, old-fashioned way by publishing a list of questions in their in the magazine and asking people to cut it out and uh, mm-hmm. and fill out the questions and send it in. And um, speaking of Henry Hyde, because he was at the helm of that magazine for a while, uh, he told me that he suspected that there weren't you know thousands of responses to that, and I can see that because you know how many people actually will go to the trouble of cutting up a magazine to fill out a survey and, and spending a stamp to send it in. And then uh, not to mention, if you get thousands of results, collating them is a, right. is a huge pain in the ass for which, um, you know, most hobby magazine editorial staffs just aren't equipped. So, uh, and, and they, um, I think that was, was it at the time? Henry had taken over at the time. Uh, for miniature war games with battle games, I think in 2014. Um, so he stopped doing it, and then, uh, sort of as a uh, combination of, well, let's try and see if we can do better online. Um, have something to do fun in the middle of summer when it's otherwise pretty quiet, uh, and see if we can get some answers to uh, you know, those burning questions about the graying of the hobby and stuff like that. We we said, well, let's let's try and and have a big online survey about uh, all kinds of wargaming hobby related questions. And uh, when we started, we said, well, you know, if we get two three thousand responses, that would be frigging awesome. And we got the first year, I think, something like six or seven thousand. So that was enough encouragement to keep going and do it again. Okay. And so far, how is the res- or how was the response to the 2017 survey? Uh, about how many responses did you get? Uh, eight thousand something. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh no, eight thousand six hundred and fifty-five in total. Um, oh wow, th- that was not as good as 2016, unfortunately. Really? 2016, we missed ten thousand by. Truly a hair. I think it was like nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-seven or something. Mm-hmm. It really was like, come on, yeah. three people, please. I want to have five digits, but no, uh, didn't happen. 
Um, I, I don't know why we get more or, or fewer sometimes. Of course, you, mm-hmm. you know, it is a quiet time of year. You have to depend on exactly what time people uh, see the message. Uh, you have sure. to compete with, I don't know how many, it, 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 you know, social media is the most important way that people see uh, the news about the Great Wargaming Survey. And, of course, mm-hmm. on, on social media, you have to compete with 100,000 other things that try to get at people's attention. Oh, yeah. Um, whether or not sponsored by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of can you get the message out there and, and are people willing to take the time to fill it in? Because I, I can imagine some people go, ah, that, you know, they're doing that survey again. I, I I've done it a couple times. I don't feel like doing it again. Right. So that's one reason why we try to keep it short. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen people ask, like, oh, it's shorter this time. Or, hey, you didn't do this question. And the reason that we um, cycle questions in and out or sometimes replace questions is just that. We want to keep it interesting right? Um, for people who've taken it multiple times. Um, and um, a friend of mine who works for the Dutch National Statistics Office, he said, well, you know, some things probably won't change very much anyway, so, um, or won't change very quickly. So if you just ask them once every two or three years, you can still compare them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to annoy people with asking the same thing over and over again. So sure. if people see that a certain question didn't get asked, that's the reason. We'll just yeah. ask it again in 2019 or 2020. Okay. Well, very good. And I, I think I asked this question last year, so we're going to, we're going to hit this. <laughs> we're gonna do exactly what you advise <laughs> against. Well, maybe I'll, and, I'll come up with a completely different answer. Well, that, well, that's why I'm asking. Um, have you noticed any trends? Have you collected enough data to spot trends yet? Um, Probably not, not really that much. Um, it doesn't seem like people get a lot older. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, of course, we have fairly large age brackets, sure. Um, to, so it takes a time, usually, for people to switch from one to the other. But then again, I the fact that it seems like they stay somewhat similar suggests that people come in too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no aging overall in the hobby, I would say. It's just that it's very clear, and it's been clear for several years, that uh, the historical war gamers, on the whole, are a little bit older than mm-hmm. uh, the sci-fi and fantasy war gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's also almost clear that sort of, and I think that happens in, in real life, that you know people hit their 40s, and maybe they have kids and they start to look back and go, you know, I remember when the Berlin Wall fell or whatever. Yeah. Um, sort of become aware of their own history and that they start to, oh, a, lot, a lot of people get a little interested in history too. I, I see it in, in my younger brother who was not very interested in history when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And he's now, you know, via his kids and family history sort of getting interested in, in the bigger thing. Yeah. Well, I'd be interested to see over the next year or so, uh, with or compare this year with next year uh, and last year to see if maybe there's uh, an increase 
for example, in World War II gaming between bolt action and what a tanker to see if they've, if they've had any significant effect. Um, just anecdotally, my brother and I have been taking what a tanker up to our FLGS mm-hmm. in Springfield. We take it with the express purpose of uh, exposing uh, historical gaming to otherwise fantasy or sci-fi gamers. Yeah. And uh, we, we actually got a, a person to go ahead and come in and, and sit in that we had never met before. So that's, and he was a younger guy. He was probably late teens, early twenties. And so, you know, maybe we'll get him, uh, get him at the table next time we're up there. So, and again, we're going to do uh, what a tanker at the recruits uh, convention in, in the Kansas city area here at the end of September. So yeah, we're, we're trying. Yeah. <laughs> well, know, I, World War two is always, way ahead of anything else when it comes to the historical mm-hmm. uh, era in, in popularity. Um, you should, I'm just looking in. Well, here it goes to show. I think this year, we're, so far, we've mostly had historical war gamers hmm. uh, responding because World War II is still at the top as the most popular. Um, is the most popular era mm-hmm. okay well that but that actually flows yeah it's 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 not that different in in popularity it looks like from last year because last year was it looks like last year world war ii was overall the most popular as well of course we can debate till we're blue in the face whether um bolt action or or what a tanker are really truly historical games or just you know if the system just has a historical theme tacked onto it or oh i think you get yeah <laughs> you get some rather cross words from from nick and richard on that one <laughs> well yeah. it's very easy to get cross words from uh <laughs> from nick and richard depending on uh the time of day perhaps no but you know it's uh we've we've played it here too and it's, it's great fun and uh uh, it's been called here. It's sort of like um, a World of Tanks tabletop version, you know, racing around the building to shoot the other guy in the in in the rear while he's distracted by the tank on the other side. Yeah. Uh, well, in you know, I think that's that's an interesting topic in and of itself. You know, where where does one draw the line between, you know, simulation and game? Oh gosh, yeah. We can have uh, long discussions about that, but yeah. it, we won't be able to answer that with the Great Wargaming Survey, I think. No, oh, no, although, abs- absolutely. Although, yeah, um, if you've been following the blogs I've been writing about the the survey from mm-hmm. last year, um, which you can find on the on WSS website, there's a separate section for the Great Wargaming Survey blog. Um, I. It was because we asked since uh, I think since 2016 we've asked sort of if people want to express on a slider how you know how they feel about where they are on a you know all the way historical or all the way science fiction and fantasy slider uh, scale you know do you only play purely historical games or only play purely science fantasy science fiction and fantasy games or are you somewhere in the middle and it appears that about a quarter says, you know, I am all the way or almost all the way only historical or, and another quarter says I am all the way or almost all the way only 
science fiction and fantasy player. But about half says, you know, I play everything in between. I mean, I'm somewhere in the middle of that scale. Right. I like both. So, you know, where you do get, sometimes you get the idea that people think of, you know, there's, oh, there's them historical players, old grognards um, who only play a replay Waterloo and Borodino uh, and nothing else. And there's those guys who only play Space Pixies yeah. and never the twain shall meet. In, in practice, it seems like, a, a lot of people and probably just the majority or about the majority play both. Right. Uh, yeah, which and, and perhaps means that, that it, that, that the, the simulation part of wargaming is not the most important aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's, I, well, this, this is definitely a show known for tangents. So I'll, <laughs> I might back off that particular tangent, but I'll uh, I'll pencil you in for our discussion on uh, on uh, the difference between uh, simulation and, and just pure game. Well, I guess <laughs> I, I kind of I, I kind of talked to Henry about that earlier, but maybe we need to revisit that. Maybe get a maybe get a panel discussion going on that one. But anyway, um, so as long as you have an equalizer on uh, on ZenCaster, so that you know people don't go deaf from all the shouting. <laughs> Now, now, I'm sure we could get some some level-headed, uh, well-meaning and well-thinking and softly spoken people <laughs> on to do that. Um, now within, well, I guess we could we could say eras and genres because you can, you know, historical is easy to put into eras, but once you start adding science fiction and fantasy, they're they're not, not necessarily. So much, yeah eras so much as genres so i I guess the the next question we need to ask since we're already going down that road is how do the different eras and genres stack up against each other uh as far as popularity among your respondents i've done a couple of blogs about that i I can just sort of enumerate the top five or something if if you like sure yeah Uh, in fifth place is uh, with overall popularity is Dark Ages, okay, and then the medieval era. So that's you know the first one is about five hundred to eighty one thousand, and the medieval era is eighty one thousand to about eighty fifteen hundred. And then number three is interestingly is fantasy without Warhammer uh, Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. Number two is science fiction without forty um, k. Mm-hmm. And then number one is. World War Two. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. It's um, Warhammer 40k, by the way, is in sixth place. But and I, th- I think, um, uh, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure. If you look at the raw numbers, it that just means that we just didn't get enough GW fans. Right. Um, that that should be by itself at the top. Um. Of course, it's possible that the majority of GW players only play GW games and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking here at the people who play more than just a single kill team, which I know you, which you showed on Facebook. You got dabbling into, oh, yeah. um, and I, I also yeah, suspect to... that there's some cases of there's some some uh, um, Marmite eras or settings. 
and where where some people love it and just as many people go i hate it and i think War, warhammer age of sigmar is one of those mm. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It's it's actually <laughs> it's, it's actually at, in 2017. It's at the very bottom, um, and that's just because there's just a lot of people who really dislike it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's there's certainly a significant portion of even GW fans uh, who don't like it at all. Um, you know, there's a there's somewhat of an undercurrent for lack of a better term among uh the gw fans who you know don't don't want anything to do with it and are keeping the 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 warhammer fantasy old world going uh with a ninth project age. called yeah ninth age yeah and you know that's that's completely separate from the old the old hammer movement which is all about you know, generally speaking, third edition fantasy and uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand Rogue Trader, and, and earlier. Yeah, I guess we could so, <laughs> should almost split those things out as well. But um, I, I'm loath well, to, to split out too many things that yeah uh, that are yeah, really tied into and, a single gaming system. Yeah, the old hammer and Ninth Age folks. I mean, that's a niche within a niche within a niche. So, I mean, you're you're starting to split split hairs pretty finely because then, you know, where do you stop? Well, I just do Eastern Front World War II. Well, I just do Mediterranean World yeah. War II. What do you mean only Mediterranean? Well, no, I just do North Africa. I don't, you know. Yeah, before or, yeah, before or after the Germans got into it or you know, yeah, exactly. whatever, yeah. Yeah. So I, I could definitely see, yeah, I mean, that you would just go crazy then and maybe, you know, it, it's become such a detailed survey that, you know, Nobody takes it then, so well I do, but <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, yeah. Survey Monkey, which the service that we use for this, already warned us that uh, warns me when we put the survey together, it just sort of automatically analyzes some things and it says, mm-hmm. you know, it comments on the on the favorite settings uh, question that it's really mm-hmm. kind of big. <laughs> yeah. It is, um, but you know. It it is is it's an interesting one to look at also and sometimes I look at it from like only the popularities you know which one has the overall highest score but if you look at which one is the most disliked is also um, kind of interesting mm-hmm. as I said Warhammer Age of Sigmar is is high in there Colonial Warfare which is uh, odd or maybe explainable why it's really high really disliked. Um, maybe because its potential for unpcness is rather great. Yeah, I, the way I refer to that is, you know, it could potentially fly in the face of certain social sensibilities, and you know that that might actually explain some of the interest in, uh, some of the interest in, um, like steampunk and, uh, you know, where you've got fantasy elements with you know going to mars and venus and in, in, encountering alien races and that sort of thing you know the yeah john carter of mars type setting or uh, space 1879 so yeah I, I could definitely see how uh people might find 
uh, colonial gaming distasteful. But uh, yeah, um, now you mentioned a little, you know, we, we started talking about the Games Workshop aspect of the questions in last year's survey. Um, was there much of an overlap between people who responded favorably for Games Workshop and other eras and genres? Out of um, eight and a half thousand roughly responses last year, there's 4,500 who liked or really liked um, Warhammer 40,000 or Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Interestingly, uh, looking at those people, they still like other versions of science fiction and other versions of fantasy better than uh, 40K and Age of Sigmar. Um, so uh, maybe that's, you know, on that whole range of new systems that, uh, seems to come out all the time via Kickstarter or others from, uh, sure. uh, uh World War II is still very high. It's fourth place. Uh, mm -hmm. in fact, above Warhammer Age of Sigmar still. Warhammer Age of Sigmar may very well be the, the the one that has the strongest reactions in in the form of dislike still hmm. um pulp gaming very high uh, alternative history is then very high and medieval era is still very high which uh, it's got to be the the saga uh, effect mm -hmm. um, naval warfare is then suddenly a lot a lot higher hmm. um Colonial warfare is still at the very bottom. ACW, interestingly, is also seems to be one of those eras where people either really like it or totally not like it at all. Yeah, because, yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, I could definitely see that because I think there might be a little bit of an impression that, you know, you don't get any of the, the grand sweeping movement on on the battlefield that you might have with napoleonics because of the almost complete lack of cavalry on most battlefields and then you know in comparison to say napoleonics the uniforms are pretty bland <laughs> yeah which helps if you want to have big armies but yeah <laughs> so that's an interesting observation yeah. you think it's the lack of cavalry oh. yeah i think people i think people like uh, I think people like having, if they're going to play that type of game, I think they like having some cavalry on the table for those big sweeping movements. Mm -hmm. And you just don't have that with, you, you just don't have that with the, the civil war and to a lesser degree, the American war of independence. Yeah. Uh, not, that's not to say that, you know, neither army had cavalry, you know, Quite the contrary, they had very large cavalry formations, but they were used ma mainly for screening and uh, screening purposes and reconnaissance and other other warfighting functions than engaging infantry and artillery. Getting big charges on the battlefield. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. I, I always thought it was because, especially North America or the U.S., uh, it seems like you guys get so much history about it about how important the, the american civil war is which mm -hmm. could easily have the effect i would think of some people going this is the best ever and i want to learn more about it until i drop dead and other people go drop that topic forever and i never want to hear about it again 
Yeah, I, I I'm sure there's a full episode there as well. I kind of because yeah, I mean that is an interesting question. It's and I've dabbled with doing some uh, ACW gaming. Uh, I'm actually you know I've talked quite a bit about uh, working on a staff ride for my officer candidates to Fort Donaldson, mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee. You know Grant's first major victory, so. Uh, it's it's definitely something I'm interested in. It's definitely something I find fascinating. Uh, I've mentioned before that I watch Ken Burns Civil War about once a year. <laughs> well, it's um, very good. Well, yeah, and you know it's it's really it's really where the United States was made for good or ill. You know, it's it it cemented the United States as a singular, not as a plural. Mm-hmm. For example, to to crib off of Shelby Foote, who put it much more succinctly and much more eloquently than I did. But uh, no, I mean it's and and also it's a great way to uh, derail discussions with uh, with Dutch magazine editors. <laughs> <laughs> now we mentioned already that you're not quite seeing trends necessarily. But I wonder if from 16 to 17 or even 15 to 16 to 17, if you've seen any distinct increases or decreases in any of the eras or genres. Or is that, uh, and if that just needs to be anecdotal Uh, rather than actual look at the analytics. Eras or genres, not really. It seems like every year or uh, it depends a little bit on on how many our difficulty is clearly that, you know, WSS is mainly a historical wargaming magazine, so it's mm-hmm. easiest for us to find the historical uh, wargamers. So depending on how successful we are at broadening our scope and broadening the response, um, sci-fi and fantasy games come up more. But within the historical games, I would say that it seems pretty similar every time it's uh world war ii is always far at the top acw is is always quite low down there's there's clearly a very strong core of people who love it and there's a larger group who hate it uh and there's a lot of people who are fair somewhat indifferent um medieval era uh, both as dark ages and as the high medieval era is always high up um uh, which I can only imagine is is as as we said is saga, um, Napoleonics. You know, you know the traditional. Um, well, people say the traditional um, uh, eras for historical gaming, ancients and Napoleonics, are all, always sort of between uh, somewhere somewhere in the in the in the latter part of the top ten. Mm-hmm. And that all that doesn't seem to change very much. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, I, again, I, I'd like to see if maybe we get a, a larger proportion of, of World War II gamers, like I said, you know, out of bolt action. And, yeah. And, and uh, frankly, I think, I think World War II gaming probably already gets as many people as it can, almost as, as it can get. Uh, you know, it would have been more interesting if we'd started the survey in 05 uh before bolt action 
is that probably had a had a big influence mm-hmm. um but you know we didn't so so uh we won't be able to see that influence that change um yeah and i also wonder you know uh, in the time when warhammer ancient battles was still a bigger thing if mm. um say 10 years ago if ancient gaming was would would have been higher in the list because it seems to have come down a bit but there's it's clearly a lot of people who still play it mm-hmm. some form not necessarily wob sure now have you noticed any difference in the demographics of the respondents or again, because stereotypically the historical gamer is generally older and male are, or is there an increase in other areas? Well, gender wise, it's, it's been the same every year. It's about 2% women. Um, historical war gamers are always a little bit older. Um, when you look at the continents, it always seems like war gamers in the U.S. are on average the oldest, uh, hmm. and the ones in continental Europe are on average younger. Uh, and I suspect that's because it's just a newer hobby here. Um, certainly, Germany, of course, is we always get fairly reasonable amount of responses from Germany and wargaming in general is just was not a thing um, or was not allowed to be a thing almost in Germany um, until say maybe 20 30 years ago so that's you get a lot younger people there and the same same here I would say that on average Dutch wargamers are a little bit younger than um, across the North Sea or across the Atlantic. Yeah, interesting. So the old, um, old continent is younger in one thing. You mentioned a couple times that the uh, respondents are, are typically skewing towards historical. Uh, and I know, I, I certainly appreciate the email I got from you, and I need to, I need to, maybe it's you and Guy or just Guy, but uh, I need to get the word out on, on my Twitter feed and Facebook and whatnot about the, about the survey. And are there other avenues of outreach that you're pursuing to get more of the sci-fi and fantasy crowd or uh, I'm trying just... every Avenue I can think of, but you know, that requires mm-hmm. usually cooperation of other people. I mean, beast of war has helped us last couple of years by putting it in, in their newsletter. Um, uh, I've asked um, uh, Adam from Tabletop Minion- Minions to put out the news. I mean, some of those the wargaming video channels are really big, of course, uh, and that always helps. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but you just got to try it every which way you can, and and, and it, you know, it used to be easier to reach people via forums, but they've just pretty much been throttled by Facebook uh, and, mm-hmm. and posting our, our survey and every single wargaming related group on Facebook. A takes a long time and B probably won't be appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if maybe there's a, there's a break even point where you just start annoying people. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that exists. 
Um, so yeah. we're, we're also we're trying to spread it out a little more um, this year because mm-hmm. we've been in uh, we've been doing it for about ten days now. Um, whereas previous years we would just you know do newsletter and uh, videos and everything from day one, and inevitably then you slow down because you can't just keep sending the same thing. And we're we're trying to um, to spread that out a little bit. So uh, yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll be able to start with videos. We plan to start with videos from Monday and get it going a bit. When, so we're about we're about halfway through because you're going to take responses until September. 5th, yeah, we're right? we're about a third of the way through. I think ten, okay. 12, 12. We started on the twelve days in. I think yeah. So. Okay. Yes, we'll we'll take responses to September fifth. Hopefully, in in the letter end of August, we'll find a lot of people who've returned from their vacation and can think of nothing else that they would like to do Mm -hmm. more than fill out Great Wargaming Survey. Right. (laughs) Well, I will certainly be doing my part to get the word out on 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 the latter half of of the uh, survey period for sure. No. The uh, so me not mentioning it is of course a strategic decision on my part. Oh, yeah, it's and very has good. nothing to do with yeah, it's fine. <laughs> has nothing to do with me being distracted and lazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's what we all are. Yeah. <laughs> um, now taking a look at this year's survey, uh, which didn't take very long at all. You you estimated five to ten minutes uh, in the in the preamble to the survey, but I don't think it took that long oh, for me to survey do. Monkey says on average, it takes seven minutes. So we, we guesstimated it. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say so. Um, there must be a lot of people who are really agonizing over some of the choices then. Cause <laughs> maybe uh, it could be that if you've taken the survey before you sort of, you don't have to read all the questions anymore. You just go, I know how old I'm are. Uh, I am. I know where I live. Um, you know, I know what my favorite gaming eras and settings are. Right. That's probably one that yeah. people take longest about. Yeah. So um, now I did notice some new questions, uh, specifically hobby-related questions, as far as you know what what aspects of wargaming do you enjoy? And there was uh, miniature painting and terrain building and uh, collecting rule books and hanging out with your friends and that sort of thing. Um, what was the what was the impetus for for those questions? Well, that specifically, we've uh, asked in some form before, but then we always tried to, you know, we asked people to sort of put it on a scale. And um, uh, this year, we just decided, well, we'll just force people to uh, say, "I that's really." I think it was the single most. Let me just check what exactly I asked. Um, no, just yeah, just in tick the box. Say what, what do you like best about being a war gamer? Um, the impetus there is just you know trying to trying to. It is such a, it is a, it's a varied hobby. You know, there's mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. You do a, a lot of the time you spend by yourself. Um, you know, agonizing about which minis you need to buy now, and of course, most of the time is spent actually working on the miniatures getting them ready for the table. Um, and, and some people 
I know we know anecdotally and we know from the surveys really like that. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's downtime that they use to relax uh, or they really, they enjoy the creative aspect of seeing that, that going from the shiny plastic or metal uh, onto a finished figure. Uh, and some people are really interested in, in prepping for that game and thinking about what's the, you know, what list can I think of that will just mm-hmm. crush my enemies and see them fleeing before me. And other people uh, just like to play the game and then end up, you know, taking five hours for a two-hour game because they're yakking too much. And everybody recognizes some of that, I'm sure. And so it's kind of interesting to see. So what do you, you know, what do you really enjoy the most? And that's just, but of course, the whole thing is that the whole survey is, as somebody called it, it's just navel staring. Um, you know, people yeah. like to know about about themselves and, and how they compare to others. Yeah. And then also there were, there was, there was a question regarding, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, engagement with the hobby community. Mm-hmm. And as far as being a, a, a game vlogger or uh, podcast participant or uh, writing for a magazine, et cetera, where did, where did that come from? Oh, this year we, we have two really new sections. Uh, one is, is Hobby Heroes. Um, we've asked about what scale you like before, um, but we haven't asked about how important it is, uh, for you that your minis are painted and what level they're painted and what kind of tools you use and how many projects you work on at the same time and whether you keep track of it. So, um, that's new. And we've asked about inspiration before. Uh, specifically the first question we have there, you know, what is your most important source of, of inspiration? And it, it, it does almost always, it's, you know, the, you, your club, your friends, your wargaming friends, um, which makes sense because everybody knows how hard it is to keep a project going. If you're the only one who's interested in it. Um, but because YouTube and podcasts and uh, and that kind of stuff have become so important, um, we decided to ask. So, so, you know, how do you how do you use them, or is there any use in them for you? Do you just listen to them because you want to know? You know, you want to really learn something, or you or watch them. You want to really learn something. Uh, do you want to pick up news? Do you just want to be entertained? Do you mm-hmm. just like to listen to something, whether that's a video that you just listen to or, or a podcast that you just listen to while you paint? Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, I mean, I listen to a lot of wargaming podcasts myself, and I think about it sometimes like, do I just want to listen to what somebody has to say? Or mm-hmm. um, is it just fun to listen to a group of guys who talk, you know, shoot the shit about their hobby? And it doesn't really matter exactly what it is about, but it's just fun because it's sort of a hobby atmosphere and you feel like you're in a, maybe in a clubhouse and you're painting and some other guys are just doing that too. So, you know, it's interesting to see um, what that's all about. And um, so far uh, for videos, it's, it's, it's very clear that there's, um, 
that people really watch the wargaming videos that how to's how to build something or how to paint something are really a lot more interesting to wargamers than game reviews to a certain point but but how to play and how to paint that's really popular right. um for podcasts it's a little more mixed um there's there are remarkable about a th number of people who just like to listen to you know people chatting about their favorite topic and we love those people. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I guess what we're doing now is sort of like opinions and news. That's that's a, that's an important one too. But it, it, there's nothing that really stands out as this is the most important. Reviews are uh, people listen for the reviews. Uh, you know, rules discussions. And what's mm -hmm. other? Let's see what people enter in other. What people are playing? Oh, there's a lot of people who say I don't really listen to podcasts. Yes, we should have. Oh, we should. We should have just said, "Well, you can skip this question." In that case, um, yeah. Well, see, this is somebody says for those without a regular gaming group. Group the banner between hosts as they discuss their own hobby is a great way of staying connected. Yeah. So just um, it's it's just the, the idea of being in a, in a club. Yeah, and and that's that's certainly. I would imagine that's the case in, in any, any hobby really. Uh, you know, there's the, the social aspect is, you know, I, I would imagine the, the number of people who don't enjoy the social aspect has to be relatively small because just by its very nature, you know, unless you're one of the, one of the folks who just paints figures or, you know, just makes the models uh, though I got to think that those people are are pretty pretty far in the minority, because otherwise it's no matter what at some level it's it's a social hobby. You know it has to be, you know, and otherwise it's yeah it doesn't work. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well um, you know social uh, solo wargaming is still a thing. Um, it's always mm -hmm. about what is it, somewhere around eight percent of respondents say. I'm mostly a solo war gamer, uh, and mm. you see that in the in the open questions. Um, we've always I've always seen answers of people say, you know, I've just run into too many jerks uh, at tournament games that made me just want to play with my with my figures by myself. Uh, and and of course, you know, the, there's always a problem trying to find other people who you want to play with. Who you know, you have to have a good match in your gaming group. Um, and distances play a role. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I, I definitely know that. Um, yeah, distance is is very much an issue, especially in the United States. Uh, I got to think that, you know, war gamers in, in Russia, you know, for example, you know, or former Soviet, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of a, of a response you get from Kazakhstan, but... Uh, no, not very many. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that they've got a hard time finding the game. Uh, yeah, but it's the same in Australia. On, on the other hand, you know, you then read, oh, you know, uh, I've just last weekend I drove four hours for to, to a tournament, and then I drove four hours back, and I would go, 
well, if people in continental Europe were willing to do that, we could have a lot more tournaments. But you know, it's it's also mindset that plays a role. But you have to you have to know that there's something there that you can go to. Oh, absolutely. Starts with that. Yeah, one thing that one thing that's got me pretty excited is uh, there is now a game store, a proper, actual, real live game store, about thirty minute drive from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's across the river in Missouri in Bowling Green, and I stopped in there with my kids. Uh, what was it? Uh, Thursday? Yeah, it was Thursday night. Just to just to see what they had, and they was, they had a pretty nice selection. You know, they had you know was Games Workshop and Magic. You know, that's you know the staples of most game stores, and you can't fault them for it. But they had a few other things. So, uh, the guy that was that was uh, running the shop was very engaging and very enthusiastic as as he should be, and. Yeah, I definitely think we'll we'll be back and uh, trying to trying to get the kids a little bit more interested in it, and they're they're showing some interest, but I'm trying not to push them too hard because I don't want to scare them off. But, <laughs> um, yeah, the the distance issue I think would be an interesting question, or maybe even a survey unto itself. You know, how far are you willing to go? Uh, you know, for example, whenever we go to when my brother and I go to the store in Springfield to play. You know, it's an hour and a half drive for me. Yeah. You know, and at one point I was making that drive every day because I was live because I was living where I live now, but working in Springfield. And that's, you know, hour and a half each way. And you know, people people listening to this podcast have heard that before, but you know, an hour and a half for a game is is not a consideration for me. And I I dare say that if I knew I was gonna get a good game two hours would not be out of the question. So, uh, you know, distances for us are a lot, a lot different. I know of people, for example, in the St. Louis or Kansas city metro areas who won't drive more than 30 minutes to go to a, to a game store or to a game, you know, well, that's on the other side of the city. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's how, that's how far I have to go to get bread sometimes, (laughs) you know, living out, living out in the country it's it's just what you're used to uh yeah but yeah it's it's the same thing here i mean good luck getting dutch people to drive two hours for a game it's the other side of the country yeah (laughs) a matter of perspective you know and again another another thing i've said on the show is you know in in the united states a hundred years is a long time while in europe a hundred miles is a long distance yeah yeah, it's it's all a matter of perspective, and I I certainly appreciate what you and the rest of the folks at Caravanserai are trying to do with the Great Wargaming Survey. It's 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 certainly appreciated. Um, look at my notes real quick, see if I'm missing anything that I want to talk about. Um, any any final or any additional thoughts about the survey and how it's been going? And I, I guess I should ask you. We kind of touched on it last time. How how much time does it take to really come to grips with the data? Uh, you mentioned just recently they've got some analytic tools on the SurveyMonkey site that help out, but um, and you were asking for uh, some questions to throw yeah. at the data earlier. Um, how? I guess I should say how how well did that go? Did you get the response you hoped for on the uh, not questions so much. about the Again, questions? Again, I was or... asking in the middle of summer. Um, yeah. 
and it's it you know if you're asking how much time it cost it, it took a lot of time if uh, if you want to do a, a blog about a certain question every day there's just so much there um and i'm i'm not a you know i'm not a professional data cruncher i noticed that somebody said in the survey in the responses and the final remarks like that's what they were and they'll be happy to help so i'll think i'll be getting in mm -hmm. contact with that person sure um because if you you know if you really know i'm i'm just using the the online tools that SurveyMonkey offers which is you know just mm -hmm. allows you to say okay i want to look at the people who say yes to this no to that and come from this country you know that kind of stuff you combine a couple things you filter it down and you go okay this subset of people says this and then you can compare it mm -hmm. to the overall stuff but you can also download all the data and put them in a you know a statistics and a analysis program and uh, and and then you can say well people who are like this are i predict that x percent uh, tends to um is, is then more likely to like that better or to like this worse you know if you, if you don't like painting your minis you are probably going to be interested in I don't know, colonial wargaming. Um, so that then that will we really should hopefully we can we can get some people who have more experience with number crunching um, to help us out with that because it, it's a lot of work um, and to find the really interesting bits in there that uh, probably requires uh, an expert eye. Right, right. Um, one last thought that I have, and I wanted to mention it when you briefly touched on it. The question on preferred figure size. You only allow one one option. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought about that. Um... You'd probably get a lot of people like me saying that they game in a lot of different sizes. Yeah, sure. I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, to, to be honest, you know, every year we, we look at the, the questions and the response and we go, you know, yeah, you can have, because previous years we should have just said, oh, you rank them, you know, you like 28 best and then you, you also play in six and vehicle scale, you know, for, for space games or something is next. You could do that. Um, and it's a bit of an experiment. Just say, okay, you know, I'm just going to say which one, if, if I but if I set you down and said you got you can pick one for the rest of your life, which one do you pick? Um, just to get a more clear result and and also make it a little bit easier maybe to uh, mm -hmm. to go through yeah. the survey quickly because if you have to rank stuff, you have to drag and drop things, and people get annoyed by that. So you know whatever you do, you're gonna annoy some people who say, well, I don't want to you know I don't want to finish this dumb survey. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I get it. To be honest, uh, it seems like every year we get about the same completion percentage. So I, I guess we're doing something right. Oh, so Survey Monkey tells you how many people started uh -huh. and didn't, yeah, they didn't do. finish. Oh, yeah, it's, it's always where's where that sitting? It's always about ninety three, ninety four percent. Okay. Well, here's to the ninety three or ninety four percent. Then you know you seven or six percent that are out there. Go back. It'll it saves your place. You know. <laughs> Cookies are a wonderful thing. Go back, finish it. Yeah, but on the same so, computer though, not a, not on a different computer because you'll yes. be counted as a second. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we have to same device, please. Yes, same device, same browser. 
because uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to keep it all. You know, so we've set everything to anonymize it and keep it, keep the mm -hmm. privacy safe. But that does mean that if you go back and fill out the survey a hundred times from a hundred different computers, you you're messing with our data. Yeah, knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jasper, this has been a fascinating discussion, and it's been an enjoyable discussion. I always like talking to you. I appreciate you coming on the show again. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to find some time in your schedule where we could talk about uh, Imperial Roman Navy sometime. Oh, sure. You know, that's that's the next big genre in gaming. I, Imperial Roman Navy. I've, Navy yeah, you know, I've seen some 3D models uh, and people go print 3D ships, but that's... No, yeah, any, any ancient warfare stuff is always good to discuss. Um, uh, yeah as you know may may know we have our own uh, podcast about that um i have definitely areas i know more about and less about but i'm always happy to talk about it yeah again jasper i really appreciate it and folks there at time of publication there is still time to get out there september 5th is the deadline for the great wargaming survey great wargamingsurvey.com uh, it's really easy there you go great wargamingsurvey.com too easy, you know, spell like it sounds. Link will be in the show notes, all that good stuff. Uh, all, I will also have uh, links in the show notes to the various blogs that Jasper has written for the 2017 edition. Yep. So, as always, uh, again, Jasper, thank you. And thank you, folks out there listening. As always, if the wargaming you're having isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. Veteran Wargamer is copyright J. Arnold 2018. All music courtesy of bensound.com.